Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Living on my road, I've got Ozzy Ardillis and his children as well. And I've got Pat Jennings around the corner and... He'd start most five-a-sides out on pitch, but by the end of the game, he'd be back in goal because Bob Paisley or Bill Shankly had said, look, you're going to hurt someone. Hello, you're listening to the Say It and Spray It podcast. My name is Justin. Joining me as always, the CEO of Merwells, the man with the cans, Mark Silver. Hello, how are you? I'm good, Justin. How are you doing, mate? I'm all good. I'm all good. So this episode is uh, with Stephen Clements, but Stephen hasn't actually got a mural, has he? Tell us about why we got Stephen on. Yeah, well, Stephen, obviously, um, I knew Stephen as a player when he was at Spurs, then went on to play for Birmingham and, and Leicester. After a few injuries, had to quit the game and then became assistant manager. Pretty much everywhere Steve Bruce went, he was with him. Uh, by his side so obviously Steve Bruce has managed quite a lot of clubs and I think Stephen had been with him on a few Newcastle he was there during the takeover so uh, really interesting for him to be in that kind of world but absolutely amazing person the reason we spoke to him was because uh, we'd done a mural of his dad and uh, we was working on a mural of his dad just before he passed away we've spoken about that in the podcast before and uh, we know how grateful he was we know how much uh, Ray and his whole family appreciated it so we wanted to get Stephen on to to chat about that and then obviously we got the opportunity to talk to him about his football career and the beginning of his coaching career as well now uh, since we recorded that he is now a head coach or a manager of Gillingham right yeah, and, uh, you know, it's another team for me to keep an eye out for. I wish Stephen all the very best. I saw that he got an away win in his first game, so absolutely brilliant. I hope that continues, and I hope he makes a huge success in his uh, managerial career. Absolutely. Right, let's listen to the chat with Stephen. So, Stephen, let's have a brief chat, if we may, about your football career, both on and off the field. I guess coming from a football family, that made a, a bit of a difference. You were always interested in football? Yeah, I've been going to football games for as long as I can remember. So um, I kind of feel like it was destined to happen for me. Um, but I was still a, very lucky to have the career I had. I had to work hard to achieve that. But I was always going to football games as a kid. Fortunately, ended up playing for Tottenham, which was, which was the team I supported for the majority of my childhood. Not all my childhood, but the majority of my childhood. And then uh, went on to Birmingham after that. Eventually went to Leicester, had to finish early through injury, which was disappointing. I felt like I left something out there. And then all that because I got injured and I'd done okay for Steve Bruce, he, he took me on, to the, on the coaching ladder. And today I've done over 400 games as an assistant manager and first team coach in the Premier League and Championship. What strong memories have you got of your dad's playing career in particular? I haven't got loads of 
memories of dad playing to be honest uh, obviously i left liverpool when we were i was i was uh, 3 years old so i was um, very very young and then as he went to spurs I remember going to the training ground with him all the time as a kid. Uh, as I say, I remember going to games, but I was more interested in going in the... There was a, there was a ball court at Tottenham in the car park, which all the young kids used to go and play in there after. I remember running around the players' lounge, that sort of thing. I always remember being at Tottenham, but I can't remember the games. But the one game I can remember was the 1987 Cup Final at Wembley against Coventry. Tottenham got beat 3-2. Uh, Tottenham were big favourites that year. I think Clive Allen scored 49 goals. Glenn Hoddle, Ozzy Ardillis, great Tottenham team. Dad actually felt, uh, which I didn't really, I didn't realise at the time, I was only nine years old, that he thought that could be his last game at Wembley. Uh, and he wanted to get me involved somehow. And he, he got me on the pitch before the game. And when the players were walking around in their suits, getting a feel for the pitch, I was walking around with my dad with one or two of the other players' children as well, which was, had never been done to that day. And I'm, I'm not sure it's been done since. Unfortunately, got beat. So that was obviously the memory of the, of the day as well. But, I can still remember walking around the pitch with my dad before the game, which is a privilege. That's amazing. I remember that match. I remember watching that game. It was uh, one of those games where it sort of swung a bit, didn't it? It was never quite settled. It was kind of one of those games where you think, oh, this could be anyone's win. And then Coventry sort of nicked it, I think, didn't they? I think Tottenham scored, uh, I think we scored really early in the game. Yeah. Uh, but in Coventry got back into it. Keith Houching scored that great diving header against my dad. Yeah. And I think Coventry got up 2-1 up at half-time. I think, anyway, Spurs come back into it. But if you remember the... The winning goal was an own goal of Gary Mabbott's fire. That's right. It was a cross from the the right hand side, and it and I remember it. I can remember. I can see it because I was I was sat right um, directly opposite the penalty box, and I was watching the ball crossed in. It hit Gary Mabbott's fire, looped over my dad, and uh, yeah, and Coventry went on to win the cup. My dad was always disappointed about because he won the FA Cup twice, um, and he was he was hoping to win it. That would have been his third time. So he's got two winners' medals and three three uh, runner up medals. But obviously he's got three children, so he wanted us all to have one each. But I, I've nicked them all anyway the girls haven't got them so <laughs> well played that's well played that's well played good job you're not playing for Tottenham now because they'd be struggling to get free then right oh definitely oh. <laughs> oh, don't add that bit in what I've just said you can take that bit out <laughs> you something in there Mark Sorry, mate. I, I always do one that Justin always gives an all to, but yeah, it's all right. it gives it's me, right. it gives me. Off, What's um, So obviously, when you were growing up, and like you said you don't remember too many of the games, but what was it like? Did were people coming up to your dad asking? I suppose back then it was never really photographs, was it? It was always autographs and stuff like that. Was that when you you realised straight away your dad's a bit of a star here? I think you know. I think you know. You. I knew my dad was well known. I think when I was young and people are coming up to you when you're out for dinner and. Can I have your autograph? And my dad was always very polite of everybody that came up to him. Sometimes he would say, "Can I finish eating?" And you can do it after, yeah. etc. But, but generally, he was he was very polite um, with people as long as they were good to him. And do you know what? I just thought it was every dad had to do that because that's what I was born into. Living on my road, I've got Ozzy Ardillis and his children as well, and I've got Pat Jennings around the corner, and I'm going to the training ground. Like I was very very lucky, obviously, what I was brought up around, and I and I, I know that. But it was kind of normal as well. And it's only probably when you get a bit older, you realise that wasn't normal. And that's that's what it was. And, and now I've lost him. You kind of I realise even more how much he achieved in the game. I think even when he was still still alive and I, I understand what he achieved, I didn't ask him enough about it because we're doing normal father and some things like going for a game of golf or, I don't know, we're going out for dinner with my mum and my wife or, or they're looking after my children when they're little. It's, it's just normal things. So I appreciate more probably now I've lost him than... When I had him, yeah. But also, obviously, Dad stayed in the game, didn't he? Because he went straight into coaching afterwards as yeah. well. So I know at that point you were probably 
starting to play football and getting your way through the academy and stuff like that. But when dad's like kind of in the setup with the England boys and stuff like that, and you're growing up at that point, you love football. So you're, you're watching your dad training probably some of your heroes that are more current, right? Well, I'm going, I'm going into Tottenham's training ground in the early nineties. So I'm a 12, 13, 14 year old boy. Paul Gascoigne's there. He's the, he's, he's the superstar of England at that point. And obviously he's an absolute hero to me. I'm getting to I'm getting to watch him train and then at the end of the train he's going, Young Clem, throw some balls in for me. Come on. So I'm crossing him in my left foot for him and he's finishing them off. And I can still remember this. I'm a kid. And uh, he said, Do some of your right foot. So I'm putting him in my right foot and he's going, Oh, you need to do some work on that right foot. And I never listened because my right foot never really improved. But um <laughs> like them sort of experiences are, are kind of mad really when I, I think about it now. And I I do really realise how lucky I was. Now obviously you you played in a different position to your dad. Your dad was a, a very famous goalkeeper. Did you ever have any aspirations to playing goal, or were you always going to be an outfield player? Uh, no, I started as a, I never went in goal at any point. So um, when I first started loving football, which is obviously from the moment I could walk, probably I was um, first team I played. And I was a centre forward. I was that for a number of years. Used to score quite a lot, lot of goals. I realised I was. I realised quite young that was I was okay at football and I could people would pick me first if you like when you're picking teams in the playground and that kind of thing. But like uh, as 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 I got to 14, 15, Tottenham moved me back into midfield because I wasn't very quick and that was obviously a, a key moment for me as a, as a young player. Uh, but Dad always used to say he was pleased I didn't go in goal because he thinks the the comparison might have been hard one to to follow. Um, I know Casper Schmeichel's done it with with Peter. Mm done it quite well but there's not many that go on and follow their dad in the same position and and uh, have the same kind of career if you like so I'm really proud of my career of what I achieved if I put it in comparison to his I had a long long way to go a lot of people have to be fair but was was the name Clements though was that a bit of a weight on your shoulder although you're completely different positions or not because for that reason I got into England school boys England 16s 17s 80s I went to the national school where the best 16 boys in the country get picked back then it's, it's closed down now unfortunately but a lot of great players have come on through that school um, but obviously the academy system come along and, and that changed but for me as a kid obviously I was getting into these teams and and there would be kids that could be spiteful if you like and say we only got in because of your dad and that's quite difficult when you've got no experience to to sort of like back that up you might end up going up going and speaking to mum or phoning mum when I lived away from home and or dad and saying he said this he said that and and they're trying and you're crying on the other end of the phone as a teenager you know I mean yeah I've had difficult moments but um but you know what it made me work harder and I think it um helped me give me the career that that I had once you start getting, you're playing for Tottenham and you're getting in the youth team and you're getting in the reserves and you're getting in the first team, there's, there's nothing anyone can say about your father then. But I think when you're a kid and you're in school, kids can be spiteful. They can try and try it on with you and can be a bit of bullying goes on, but I think it made me stronger in the, in, in the long run. Yeah, I think it's even harder now, Stephen, if you agree, just because of social media and stuff, I should imagine it's even harder to try and shy away from that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah but, but these things do make you stronger. They're not nice, but it does help you, doesn't it, in the long run? Like you said, it pushed you to to work that little bit harder and that might have been that difference of you making it to, to having that great career you had or not. I, I, I think I still use that. I've still got that mentality now. I want to prove people wrong. I, I've never I've never minded, even as a senior player, if a manager had a go at me, obviously you don't like it, but or if he doesn't pick you... Then you're going to say, right? I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I think sometimes now people go the other way. Think, oh well, he doesn't like me. I, that's that's it, and they don't fight back. You've got to, you've got to show people sometimes, and maybe make people change their mind as well, change their opinion of you. Was it David Fairclough we were talking to, Mark, who who was talking about Ray Clements in training, and he wasn't allowed to go out into the outfield very often because his his tackling was a little bit off sometimes. Was it David Fairclough? <laughs> yeah, he used to, he used to boot, boot 
Boot the ball's quite heavy, didn't they? Yes. You're saying, yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting that you know you were. We were saying about you know never playing in goal, but your dad, when he did come in the uh, played outfield doing training, people were a bit wary of him. I think. <laughs> I think they said he's quite a heavy tackler. I'd have to go back and listen to the exact yeah. words. It was complimentary, but it was just quite funny to think of him playing outfield. I've heard this story on a number of occasions, and uh, Doug Livermore, who played for Liverpool, and Roy Evans, they were my two, my dad's two best friends. Uh, at Liverpool when he was there and they, they've always described me dad as an out and out winner yeah. that, that, if they if he said come on what's, what's my dad like he's an out he was an out and out winner they'd say and uh, the story they'd always tell is about the five sides at Melwood uh, where he'd always want to play out on pitch he'd start most five sides out on pitch but by the end of the game he'd be back in goal because Bob Paisley or Bill Shankly had said look you're going to hurt someone get yourself <laughs> back in goal but I joined Tottenham as a 16 year old the year my dad left so my dad left that same pre-season or off-season, if you like. And uh, obviously, I, I worked with a lot of players that had worked with my dad that were in the reserves and people that actually didn't even go on to make it properly, but people I stayed in touch with. And, they, and my dad was a reserve team manager, first team coach, but he'd still want to join in then. Again, I go back to that ball court I was talking about earlier at the, at the main stadium, concrete walls around the outside. My dad was renowned for putting people in, going in for a tackle, but putting a shoulder in, putting people into the wall. He just... He had that hardness where he want, he was going to win at all costs. Yeah, um, took him off the pitch. He was a he was a warm person and and um, completely different. I think that's what David was alluding to, wasn't it? I think he said he was an out and out winner. He always wanted to win, and so he sort of he went in hard. It was it was a lovely thing that he that he told us. I was like, I never ever thought of him. You just don't think of Ray Clements playing out on the pitch. He's always in goal for me. So that was just a, a, like an interesting yeah. thing to hear. Who was uh, your manager when you first broke into the Spurs team? Then who was in charge at the time? Jerry Francis was. Uh, uh, gave me my debut. Um, so I had quite a number of managers at Spurs that seemed to be sort of changing all the time in my five years in the first team. But Jerry was the guy that gave me the chance. I'll always be grateful for that. Obviously, you always hear players say that the guy that give you a chance, you'll always you'll be eternally grateful for. And, and I am. My debut was first game of the season, Super Sunday, live on Sky Sports, playing in midfield against Paul Scholes and Roy Keane. Easy um, one. Ryan Giggs, um, Nicky Butt. Uh, and I'm playing in midfield. Me and David Howes, I made my debut for Tottenham the same day as Les Ferdinand and David Ginola did as well. I can remember having quite a good pre-season. There was a few injuries that pre-season, which gave me a chance and opportunity to sort of get in the team. Uh, and then when I was in the team in pre-season, I'd done okay. I scored a couple of goals. And um, and anyway, we played the, the last game before the first game of the season against Fiorentina at White Hart Lane in David Howes' testimonial. And I was sub, so I thought... That'll be the, the team that starts. That'll be the team that starts next week. Anyway, I was brought on at half time in that game, and I done okay when I come on at half time again, and I nearly scored again. And um, the next week comes along, and Jerry Francis is doing his preparation for the team, and normal week, but he never put me in the team uh, in the preparation. I was always on the, around the outside. But I was I was seeing everything that was going on, but I was never actually in it. He announced the team an hour and a half before kickoff at White Hart Lane. Uh, I'm in it. Be honest, it was like my stomach. It was like going down a roller coaster where your stomach flips, mm. or when you go over a bump and you're not expecting in the car. I thought, wow, I can't believe this. It's all I'd ever dreamed of. I wanted, to, I wanted to play for Spurs. I've got all my friends in the stadium, mad Tottenham supporters. So uh, the only disappointment that day was my dad wasn't there. He was away working with England, but he he was he was watching it on telly from a from afar. He was abroad somewhere, but uh, I can still remember that feeling very very clearly. And what was the um, result for that game? We got beat two 0 um, but um, I can remember after about 20 minutes, I think I'm going to be sick here on the pitch. I was, it was that physically tiring yeah. and hard. Yeah. And a lot of players uh, who experience first team football say that how quick it is. You just can't understand it. It was much quicker than the preseason games. 
But I went on and I think played the next 12 games in the team and uh, thankfully established myself at Tottenham. Yeah, shame we didn't win, but it, was, but it was a good experience playing against them guys. I'd say. Well, I've never done it. Neither have you, have you, Mark? <laughs> so, <laughs> Unfortunately not, no. No. Um, There's always time. There's still time, isn't there? I think, no, well, not for me. <laughs> not for me. No, no, I'll, I'll be 50 next year. So that that's, yeah, and in my condition, it, you're talking about being sick, being a, a fit player. Three minutes on there be enough for me, mate, I tell you. Mind you well, well, yeah, mind you, Watford, could, I could probably do a good job for Watford at the moment. They're appalling. Anyway, let's not talk about them. Mark, should we talk about the uh, the artwork? I could explain to you how it all come about from my end. Yeah. Uh, I've got a good friend, very good friend of mine, uh, Jamie Miller, and a lovely guy he moved out to the States years ago and was involved in, in uh, football and then I think got involved in coaching and everything like that. And we, we kind of very loosely stayed in touch. And as, as we started up what we were doing through the powers of social media and LinkedIn and places like that, Jamie had kept an eye on what, what I was doing and just genuinely lovely guy always looking to help out. And we had a long chat once and he just said, is there anything I can do? He's got some good connections in the football world. And uh, that's when he mentioned that he's uh, very good friends with um, the daughter of Ray Clements. I was like, oh, right. Okay. That'd be really cool. And I tell you, at the time we were planning to do a mural of Jimmy Greaves down at Spurs. That was pretty much where the conversation went is I thought, well, we could, we could have a chat with Julie and maybe see if, she can speak to dad and see if dad wants to maybe get involved in the mural. I just give us some stories about Jimmy Greaves and stuff like that. Obviously there's a big, strong connection there. And, and that's kind of how it started. We then had the, uh, the telephone call probably the very next day, um, got in touch with Julie and we had a really nice chat got a really well lovely girl Julie absolutely lovely girl and um great personality really fun but somehow the conversation kind of went down the route that I didn't know if it was misinformation how Jamie had had the conversation but it kind of went in a way where I think that he might have suggested that we were doing a mural of dad and at the time it was like hadn't even thought about that to be honest with you I I growing up I knew Ray Clements as an England goalkeeping coach and I knew him as a very good Tottenham goalkeeper from what people were telling me. That's yeah. all I knew. Literally after that conversation, I thought, right, okay. Because I asked Julie the question, I said, if there was a mural of dad, then where would you do it? And I was looking and thinking, looking at where he was born, which was... Agnes. It come right out of left field when she said, it's got to be Anfield. So for me, that was a big shock. So I, I picked up the phone to three or four people afterwards. And I just went, tell me, Ray Clements, what does it mean to you? Three people said exactly the same thing. Best goalkeeper we've ever had in them same words. And I was, it was a massive sort of excitement, but also a mixture of relief. Because as I said, I didn't know much about Ray's Liverpool career. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, this is something really special. And I, I felt like we'd kind of committed to something. And now I was super excited that we're going to be doing this. So it come around. I don't even know if I told you that story, to be honest. I might have told, told, told Sarah, your sister. Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting how it all come about. And then that was it. From then on, it was like, right, let's just get this done. And of course, I learned about dad not being well. At that point, it was a case of, yeah, we're, we're really up against time here because the point is I'd, I've got a little bit of a bugbear where football clubs pay tribute to people when they're not here anymore. I feel like it's really important to celebrate people while they are around so they can see what people are doing and celebrating them. And uh, we took it right to the wire with, with Ray. Your sister did say that he was really devastated. He just didn't get a chance 
to get up there to see it. And there was times where he was talking about doing it, but it was just obviously he was so poorly, bless him. We just, we were just glad that he got to see it, saw the pictures and obviously uh, some of the family coming up there for the actual reveal. But it was, I still say this to today, um, there's loads that we've done. There's loads that I've loved and there's loads that we've got great stories for. But emotionally, we'll never get close to what we've done there because obviously to be doing this for such a big legend that I was being educated about whilst we're doing it, then to be meeting his family but and, and ex-players that came down, Dave Johnson, unfortunately not with us anymore, Dave Fairclough, Alan Kennedy is the first time we met him. They all came down, told their stories, lent a hand. Yeah, emotionally, I think that was the the most special one that we've ever done to date for, for all them reasons. And then obviously Ray passing away very soon after doing it, unfortunately. The work that you've done was absolutely fantastic. And my dad did get to see it. Unfortunately not, didn't get to uh, the road, but um, he was definitely grateful for the hard work you put in. And he said to me, he said, look, um, that's, that's going to be a long after me that. And uh, he was really proud of that. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I, I believe, I, I don't know if this, was the case or imagine it but I think Glenn Hoddle Ozzy Ardelius may have been with dad round about the time when it was getting finished and being revealed there yeah. was some comments there obviously you've, you've, you've told a lot of the story but I remember I remember my sister Julia obviously lives in America she got in touch with us back home and she kept saying there's, there's uh, this guy that wants to paint a picture of dad on the side of the wall with a quote and, and, and as football people like my dad and myself as well you get quite wary of requests if you like and people want to do this for you and you you take some bit of a bit of a pinch of salt the more we looked into it we thought no this is this is genuine this and and uh we we decided to go ahead with it and we had some involvement in it as well you sort of there was a few pictures that you 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 sent and said which one would you rather do and my dad actually chose the picture that he wanted in his liverpool kit and there's a quote from bill shankley he was involved in the process of it um he was as, as you said before he wasn't very well at the time he was quite near the end for him once uh i think sarah came up to the, the unveil, unveiling of it and um, gave a little speech which was fantastic she done really really well because she's a really shy girl my sister yeah uh, so for her to speak and uh and claudia as well um i, th- I think spoke her daughter it was fantastic so but dad got to see all that and then once it was up all the stuff on social media he read all the stuff about him and, and i think you said something really interesting before about we always give huge tribute to people once they've already gone and we should be doing it when they're still here um, I'm a firm believer of that, and that as well. It's not always possible to do that, but um, people close to you, people that mean stuff to you, you should always tell them what you think of them, and um, and 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 I think that's that's important. You can do that to the people that are close by you, and I think you should do. That. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, yeah I, I remember the whole experience really well. As I said, we had a few Liverpool legends that came down and, and lent a hand rolling 
some paint on the wall. I, I, I can imagine how much that must have meant to not only dad, but the family to see these guys coming out and uh, and lending a hand as well. Just the crowds that we were getting coming down, seeing it being done as well. I mean, there's still there's, the person that lives in that place had a Liverpool flag hanging outside the, the window. It's still there today. They've never changed it. And obviously yeah. the whole family signing the wall and everything like that. As you said, Claudia spoke really, really well. She she articulated yeah. a, a beautiful speech, which was part of the video that got put out there as well. And yeah. there's also, I've forgotten um, her brother's name, younger brother's name, but there's a fantastic photograph of him wearing goalkeeper gloves. with Freddie. his hands Freddie. Freddie. Yeah, yeah, Freddie yeah, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Had his hands up, posing in front of it. And it's one of my favourite pictures. We used to put it on our social media when we first started. But it was just a, a brilliant time. And as I said, it was really important for us to to have done that one. And to think about it now, and, and it makes sense, Stephen, when you're saying you're a bit sceptical and stuff like that, because you know the, the mules around Anfield, there wasn't none, but it's not like what it is now. It's like, no. I guess, getting your first tattoo and then your arm gets covered. Anfield's covered in them now, and we've done loads of them. I think Jordan Henderson was the first one it was the first one that we'd done when they lifted the premiership title. And it was very soon after that where we started working on dad's one. Like we say, I think it's really important that, you, that you're that obviously doing current players and ex-players. So you, you go to a football game normally as a, as a child, you, you go with your dad, you, you walk to the stadium, um, you're holding his hand, you're walking past these, these murals now and there's old players there. And, and your dad can tell you a, bit, a little bit about the history of the football club. But then you also walk to the next wall and you've got, a current player that you really look up to and he's your hero. I think it's making the environment of walking up to a football stadium a, a lot better. Yeah, there's more to see and it, it's all part of the experience now. And I've, I've been lucky enough as, as a coach to turn up at a lot of stadiums in the last number of years and I can see how much more artwork there is, is around when you arrive on the bus. And I think you've done a fantastic job. So brilliant. Well done. Oh, thanks. Well, listen, we've got a brilliant team that we've put together over the last few years and it's just getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I said the opportunities coming our way are, are coming thick and fast. And we're in a position now where we're getting a bit more selective about what we want to do as well. And like you said, it's, it's, it is nice to do the current players because that's the one that gets all the attention. But it's yeah. the legends, really. That's the one that means the most to us because they've already achieved so much in the game. And, uh, you know, there's some players out there that have done amazing things currently playing. But, you know, careers can change in different directions so once someone's yeah. retired you can you know you can then laud them and pay tribute to them in in the way that we have done especially with dad's one and uh, as I said it was it was great for me because I was educated I learned about your dad I knew him as England goalkeeping coach and a bit of Spurs and I learned a lot but now it's about all these other young fans coming around and Liverpool fans asking their dad, you know, who's that? What does it mean? And that's the best thing about it for me is that there's the younger generation that will learn to know who Ray Clements was and how good he was. And people talk about Alisson right now, who's an absolute brilliant goalkeeper, best one they've had in years and years. But people are, if you ask who the best goalkeeper is, they'll still say Ray Clements, the majority of them. I think that. I'm a bit biased. I think that. <laughs> I think. I think that the the day or the, the evening your dad passed away. I think I was actually doing a podcast with Tony Coton, the ex Watford goalkeeper, and he actually during the recording said, "I've just heard the sad news about Ray Clements." And we actually spoke about it. And you know, obviously, he never played for Watford, but we we both thought, "No, I think it's appropriate to talk." Especially as I was speaking to a goalkeeper, uh, to talk about 
Ray for a little while because obviously I, I do remember him playing but again like Mark it was only really for Spurs in England I don't really remember his Liverpool career but yeah as you say you know now there's going to be lots of children in in Liverpool walking up to games and learning who Ray Clements is so that's really that's I think that's a really good thing it's, we, like we, say, it's better than a statue like like we, you were saying Mark it's you know I, I think you're I think you're in, I think you're inspiring future generations as well of football players so there'll be there'll be young goalkeepers that are going into Liverpool that have to drive past that so they're in the youth team or they're in the reserve team that have to drive past that wall and or and whether it's whether it's my dad or whether they're driving past Steven Gerrard or Jamie Carragher or Harry Kane or all, all the ones you've done they'll be looking at these one thing I want a piece of that I I, I want to be remembered like that there'll be lo- local boys that it, it means so much to play for their football team and can they go and achieve that so uh, I think it's inspiring the next generation of football players as well I think yeah, a Ledley and Harry Kane totally deserve uh, the, the, the artwork they have on the wall around Spurs. I think they've done a wonderful job and rightly so. When I think of Tottenham, I think of someone um, like Gary Mabbott. So Gary Mabbott was at Tottenham for a long, long time, played with my dad, played with me. So that's how long he was there, wow. um, which was unbelievable. Uh, but he also had to fight through diabetes all his yeah. career. He was a wonderful, wonderful football player. And then I look at the COVID times. He was the one that was phoning up supporters that might be lonely and seeing if they're okay. And he's still an ambassador at the club now. So for me, Gary Mabbott is a great bloke and he did deserve one for me. Uh, he might not be the name that jumps out like a David Ginola or Jurgen Klinsmann or a Teddy Sheringham. But but for me, Gary Mabbott at Tottenham. I go to Birmingham where I played. I think if you put one up of Christoph Dugary around Birmingham, that would be very, very well received. He was only there for probably 18 months but what an impact he made and probably and probably made the impact more in the first six months and it sort of started to dwindle a little bit, but he done enough. And I think he's probably obviously Trevor Francis. It was, a, I didn't see him play was a, a great player for Birmingham. That was obviously before my time, but in recent history, I think all the Birmingham supporters that can remember would say Christoph Dugary is the God of Birmingham. And what a great bloke he was as well. What a great bloke, normal bloke, won the World Cup, comes and plays with us a lot of Birmingham, who were a bunch of hard-working players, a little bit of talent, but really we relied on rolling our sleeves up and having a bit of a go. But we only had to pass the ball to him and he'd sort out the rest, so it was it was great. And the other one, Leicester, I, I, I was looking at my clubs that I've played for, I'd probably say, you'd probably have to look at the manager, sir. You'd have to definitely look at Claudio Ranieri, I don't know if there's one there already, and you'd have to look at Martin O'Neill. I think they've produced the best teams for Leicester in 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 recent history. Yeah, it's it's funny when you think of Leicester because there's some great names and great legends that have been there over the years. But obviously, when they went and won the league, it kind of eclipses all of that, doesn't it? You kind of forget yeah. all that stuff that happened before. But Martin O'Neill, what an amazing manager he was there, and players like Robbie Savage as well, Birmingham as well, to be honest with you. But people that put their foot in and got stuck in, and fans' favourites, I guess. But Gary yeah. Mabbott, hundred percent agree with you. He's, he's he's on a list uh, that we'd love to do, very mm. very high up on that list that we'd love to do at Tottenham. The problem with Tottenham is is that a bit of lack of wall space. Really, it's not like Anfield where you got lots of. Res- residentials around there with people with gable ends calling us going come and paint the side of my house it's it is a little bit more tricky and it's a bit more sparing which is why when we done the ledley king one it was uh it was just set back a little bit on the front of a boxing gym it was a perfect space and as i said to you earlier like ledley's he's a spurs legend but he's a contemporary legend you know there's other names that are really big ones but having sort of met ledley through doing the mural and then sort of spent quite a bit of time with him and his wife afterwards what an absolute gentleman of a man and i love it when they're the same 
as you legendary status on the pitch and then when you meet them off the pitch and they live up to that because they do yeah. say be careful about meeting your heroes but um i couldn't say a bad word about ledley he's absolutely amazing lovely family and when we done that one as well we we got a little video put together and we got messages from past players a couple of them come down and helped us paint the wall a bit like what we've done with dads and we had michael dawson come down trying to think who else come down on that one we had michael dawson jermaine defoe and peter crouch were they, they, they peter crouch around. jermaine defoe was not able to come down covid no. it was during that that period yeah. there was another guy who used to play for spurs went on to Holton farewell did he come oh farewell sorry yeah yeah, yeah. i forgot his name so yeah. came down yeah, yeah. i, I yeah. think we did ask you as well but you were you were tied up at the moment but you've done a video i was up in newcastle then wasn't i yeah, he was assistant manager there at Newcastle, a long way away. And uh, but he done a video message, which was nice. And we got a few of them: Jermaine Defoe, Robbie Keane, as well. So you saw what people thought of him, and that was yeah. a brilliant one. But no, Gary Gary Mabbott's definitely one that we would uh, we would love to do. If anyone has got a wall in and amongst that area, then that's one that needs to be done. And and you're right, I've got friends that have had experiences where Gary's given him a call during yeah. COVID. I know about it. A, a, a good friend of mine, his daughter suffers with diabetes. She's, she's only young and she's into her sports, into judo and rugby and everything like that. And uh, he's been an absolute mensch of an advocate to her, helping her, advising her on how to get through things and to show that really it's not a disability. It's just something you've got to deal with. Like you said, yeah. sometimes these things make you stronger. So it might even make her work a little bit harder in order to, to get further in what she wants to do. And if anybody wants uh, Christoph Dugarry on a Gable End in Birmingham, do get in touch. Mark will sort that out, I'm sure. You haven't done any in Birmingham. Have you done any in the, mid- in the Midlands, Mark, really? We haven't done any Birmingham. We've got some potential stuff with, with Aston Villa. Wingy, one of our guys, did do a Stephen Carr mural for obviously he won the championship right getting promoted with them and uh yeah it's a nice one of him up there that he's done he won the he won the league cup they won the league cup then they beat arsenal in the final and he's he lifted the trophy that's right um, it's the league cup yeah yeah Stephen Carr was my roommate five years at Tottenham so uh I was with Stephen only two weeks ago he lives in Spain now and I went over to visit him so still very good friends and um now he lifted the league cup for Birmingham which is obviously a big moment in their history so he could definitely deserve uh, one on the wall as well has he mentioned that to you is he you is he aware of it you're aware of it no that's the first I've heard of that to be honest um but I, I'll I will I'll be texting him when I come off the off the off the call let, let me know I'll, I'll send you a picture if you need one but I'm sure it's yeah, out there yeah. it's a nice piece I'd really nice so can we talk a little bit about your dad's legacy Stephen charity work and stuff I think my dad's main legacy would be obviously I think he's known for being part of great football teams that went on to achieve great things which might never be repeated in our country so to win the for instance like the European Cup was it was it three times in four years or three times in five years something like that is is unbelievable um, so I think that's his main legacy. Everything he's won in the game is, is unlikely to be repeated. Man City are having a good go at it at the minute. So yeah, you they never are. know. But, uh, they are, yeah. But I think that's his main legacy. He obviously got diagnosed with prostate cancer 15 years before he died. And obviously he went through a lot of treatment in that time. And there was a lot of stuff that people didn't see. Lots of chemotherapy, lots of radiotherapy, tumour removed from his brain one year at Christmas. None of this was made public. He cracked on with things. He never complained. And he done his, he done his best to be as normal as he could around the family. And obviously, he's got 10 grandchildren as well, and he wanted to play a part in their lives. And But what he did do, he, he got involved in Prostate Cancer UK to try and help other families to stay together for longer. And he done lots of wonderful stuff with them. As a family ourselves now, we try and carry that work on. But myself, my wife, and uh, the grandchildren, a lot of the grandchildren took part in 
uh, Jeff Stelling's walk around Liverpool. We done the we done the marath- one of the marathons around there. Uh, my mum was at the finishing line with my one, with one of my sisters. We'll try and raise as much money as we can to help that charity, and, and and that's something that he's instilled in us to try and carry on the good work that he started. The walk that you'd done with Jeff Stelling that was was that from Newcastle to Liverpool. It started at Tranmere, and it, it was just it was twenty six point two miles around Liverpool. So we we visited Aintree Racecourse. We obviously finished at Goodison across Stanley Park to Anfield. We went across on the ferry so ferry across the Mersey where else do we, we visit we, I think we visit, visit visited some of the Beatles stuff that was going on down Matthew Street so we just a few of the sites in Liverpool but 26.2 miles and some of the some of like the children were quite young to be doing that dad's grandchildren and but they said no they wanted to do it for granddad and they managed to all get round without moaning too much so it was it was it was good um and obviously we spoke about him a lot on the way around and there was lots of good people doing it wanted to speak to us about my dad and their granddad it was a, it was a nice experience and even my, my daughter went to me earlier in the week she said to me uh that jeff's doing another walk in a, in a month's time are any of us doing it now we're not at the, we're not we're not at the moment but um but we'll certainly be will be doing some stuff for prostate cancer in the future do you know what i'd love to run the marathon i would love to do it but i'm not sure my body would allow now i had to finish early through injury as, as i mentioned earlier like my Achilles is held on by wire now you know what I mean it's not like yeah. it's not a normal Achilles tendon but I would love to do it we'll have to watch this space I'm in good enough condition to do it I've done a few it's one of the things that at the end of it I always say I'm never ever going to do that again you forget that pain and afterwards you just remember the buzz of it just getting around it's just absolutely amazing and you you're actually walking about talking about walking 26.2 miles the last marathon I'd done my wife was meant to do it this was quite a few years ago, 10 years ago. My wife was meant to do it and she fell pregnant during the training. So she she couldn't do it and she had raised a lot of money for, for Lymphoma Association. So I was like, oh, I'll take it on. It's really weird. When I when I stopped playing football, obviously at a low level, when I stopped playing football, that's when I started to try and get fit and I started doing all these mud runs and everything. I got myself in good shape. So I thought, yeah. do you know what? I'm doing all right. And I was doing good times and I was going out. I even yeah. done 18, 19 miles in training because the training is the hardest bit. It's harder than the actual marathon. I played football for vets team i think it was a week before the marathon at, at that point it's one of the first seasons where because it's vets football you can roll on roll off as well and i went on and my manager pulled me off he said right come on that's enough now it's probably because i was playing rubbish to be fair and i remember being a bit disappointed and i went all right no i think it's fair got to do the marathon next week of it and then as i came off within a minute someone got injured and they're like well you've got to get back on and i went on as i ran on the pitch someone went down the line i went chasing after him i was a right back and, um no one near me my my right ankle just completely span all the way around tore my ligaments in there i was in absolute excruciating pain obviously I had to go home and explain that to the missus as well and uh, that was it we, we raised I can't remember thousands of pounds for, the, for this charity and I thought I can't I know we've got a good excuse but I can't not do this and what I'd done was the night before the marathon I went to my local running club and I, I was told that four laps around this track is the equivalent of a mile and I, I walked around it in a bit of pain and at the end of it I was like okay just got to do that 26 times and a little bit more <laughs> And uh, and I did. I'd, I'd done the I'd done the marathon, but I it actually good foot was the one that hurt more because I was putting so much more pressure on that limping the whole way. Yeah. I got a little bit of abuse on along the way. I remember someone looking at me going, "Oh, taking a pee out of me again. You're you're just walking it. You're meant to be running it." And I was like, "Oh God, give me some yeah, yeah. I remember doing it, and as I said, just walking it, and that was really really okay. I had an injury, but it was still hard work. And I remember feeling like the bottom, the whole bottom of both of the soles of my feet just felt like one big blister. I I know that even walking twenty six point two miles it's it's i wouldn't say it's harder but it's does it's not easy because 
you're putting a lot of different pressures on your body and using different muscles that you wouldn't normally use and yeah. stuff like that. So hats off to everyone that does it. And Jeff Stelling, I mean, what an absolutely incredible gentleman, what he's been doing for Prostate Cancer UK. Absolute brilliant mm. advocate. And obviously now he's coming out of, of the game. I'm, uh, I'm sure he'll carry on doing that because uh, he's he's so good for it. Just on the mar- back to the marathons, my me, me wife's run, run two of them. So she's run the Liverpool Marathon and she's run the London. Right. And for years, so she's done them a few years ago and she said they were hard like, and she felt like you're saying that about a blister across the whole bottom of her foot. I think her actual arch collapsed on one of the runs. So she said it was very, very difficult, but she told our kids for years that she won, she won the marathon and they all believed her. <laughs> it was about, it was about 12. Well, she's got the gold um, medal, right? Yeah. So, cause obviously you get, everyone gets a medal. So she, yeah, I won and they all believed her. But, um, that's something I'd like to do in the future, but as I say, whether I'll be I'll be able. Just don't put yourself under time pressure, and then it's a little bit easier. That's when I found it hard. When I started going, I've got to beat my time and do that. That's when it all falls apart. Try and do it and just yeah. try and enjoy it because it is the actual experience is amazing. I've done a few Londons and I've done New York as well, which was was incredible. But yeah, the the London ones are the most special. Was your injury football related, Stephen? Yes. So um, and it's really funny because uh, well, it's not funny. It's obviously hereditary. So my dad retired with uh, Achilles. He, he tore his Achilles tendon uh, three times, twice when he was a player and once when he was a coach. I tore it only once, but then it didn't repair well enough and I had to have it artificially retorn to get repaired again. Uh, and that was the injury that finished me. So the same injury finished us both. Right. Same leg. It's funny how these things happen. Did you go straight into coaching then or was it something you wanted to do afterwards, a little bit of spare time? When I was playing, I've, I've got to be honest, probably midway through my career, I never thought I was going to, when you start thinking about those sort of things, I, I, I thought, no, I, di- I didn't really fancy being a coach. But sort of when I, my last injury, I was injured for nearly two years and a good friend of mine, Jamie Clapham, who played for Birmingham with me, but was at Leicester with me as well. We were good friends as a, as a family. The wives were all friend, friendly together. I was sitting at home in the afternoons, foot up, couldn't really do much. I was struggling to get back out playing. Everybody knew that. And he said to me, uh, come on, I'm going to go and do my B licence. Come with me. I said, no, no, I'm not coming. He went, come on, you're coming. So he basically dragged me along and I really enjoyed it. I started to have my B licence. I really enjoyed it and I got the bug for it. And, and then Steve Bruce, sort of six months before I retired, phoned me. And I'll be forever grateful for what he did for me. Uh, I played for Steve for nearly, I think it's about four years at Birmingham. Uh, and I've done okay for him as a player. I've done, I done okay. I've done the best I could. And I think he was happy with my contribution. But he sold me as well. He, he sold me on to Leicester. He, he got rid of me, which was fine. Um, but six months before I actually called it a day, get the phone call. Hello, Stephen. It's, it's Steve. Oh, how you doing, Gaffer? He said, uh, I've heard you're struggling, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm doing my best to get back. And he said, right, promise me this. You do your best to get back playing. I'm, I'm like... Was I 30, 31 at the time? He said, nothing beats playing. Nothing beats playing. But if you can't do it, and I've heard you've got a bad injury, I've got a job for you at Sunderland. You can come and help with the reserve team at Sunderland and um, and we'll get you up and running on the coaching. And the weight that took off my shoulders as a 31-year-old man who's got, who had two children at the time, wondering what he's going to do with the rest of his life. So... I earned good money as a football player. I'm not saying I didn't. I didn't earn enough, which was going to sort me out for the rest of my life. Uh, so I ne- I needed to work. I still need to work. I want to work. I like having purpose in my life. And he gave me that purpose. And he could never get rid of me after that, though. He's had me for 13 years, Steve. So, um, <laughs> as I say, you've uh, been to a few clubs with him, haven't you, together? Yeah, so so it shows how much he trusts you. Yeah, well, he's... he's He's, uh, as I say, I'll always be grateful for the career he's given me. Hey, he signed me from Tottenham at Birmingham, so he gave me half a, half my time in the Premier League with Steve. Well, I've learned so much from him along the coaching journey as well in the last, uh, well, over a, over a decade now. 
really enjoyed it and thanks for your time lads and thank you so much Uh, in Liverpool for our family mate we'll always be grateful and my dad was too no that's lovely to know thank you Stephen All right, lads well done thank you hello mate thanks Stephen appreciate it Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Some great stories there as well. Sort of growing up in the uh, in the shadow, if you like, of having a famous dad and then playing for Tottenham and some of the players he was playing with as well. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Just uh, the names that uh, he was dropping, the people that were just hanging around, hanging around him and his dad and, you know, doing doing kick ups on a football pitch and Gaza coming over having a chat with him and telling him how to do it. They're all great stories. Absolutely brilliant. When it actually comes to the mural, which is obviously a main point of the the conversation, I, I would say that, you know, out of all the murals we've ever done, Ray's was the most emotional one mm. on the basis that we knew Ray wasn't going to be around for much longer whilst we were painting that. Mm. Um, and and I would say that that was reflected in the podcast. And it was, it was one where we really had to talk about some sad things. But at the end of the day, it was great that we can now live like Ray Clements' legacy is going to live on through that mural that's right next to Anfield, a club that he's regarded as the greatest goalkeeper of all time at that club. Absolutely brilliant. Well, it was great speaking to Stephen. Don't forget there are some other big names in this series. We've got Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, Leah Williamson, Frankie Tatori, lots of other people we've spoken to. So go and check them out. We'll see you next time on the Say It and Spray It podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 